Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, L. Johnson. Um, Amobi's not with us today. He has a road trip, um, so I'm rolling solo today. Um, so you guys follow the show. You know, each week we, we're talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unique thoughts and opinions. So this week we're joined by soccer pro, creative and entrepreneur, Warren Craval. Um, we'll be getting to know all about Warren, um, talking about his soccer journey and his creative and entrepreneurial endeavors, and um, also his plan and goals for the Black Star Initiative. Uh, so Warren, how you doing, bro? Doing well, man. I appreciate you having me, man. We're going to have to uh, shoot a fine. I'm always away from that uh, showing up on match day, yeah. man. That's poor behavior. Definitely. <laughs> $200 off rip. <laughs> um, so one thing that we like to do on the show, um, like just to start it off, is play a game called Two Truths and the Cat. So this is a game where um, you'll tell us three facts about yourself. Two true, one would be a lie. And usually a Moby and I would guess, but since it's just me, I'll be doing the guessing. Amobi's down bad anyway. You know, I'm I've been I've been whooping them in the standings with this. So um yeah, I get see. a little leg up. <laughs> a little, a little, a little uh match in the hole, if you say. Um so yeah, whenever you're ready, man. Uh, all right, all right. My two truths in the cat. Um first uh I spent my last off season working in a local cafe. Two, I own over 50 plants. Three, um, I spent one summer as an internship for Livery Football. Delivery Football, okay. Um, Livery Football is Philly-based. Played in Philly, so that, that could line up. See a lot of plants on your IG, so it's makes sense that you probably have 50. I'm gonna go with the cafe. Going with the cafe? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the cafe. Going with the cafe. Okay, okay. You got it right. You got it right. I would I I'm not formally trained in the cafe. <laughs> you know, I just I need to put my pain, you know, on yeah. my machine upstairs. You know, it's it's, it's not pain, okay. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I see awesome. you. Um I hear you got a little, you got a little skill with the um the latte art. You know, I'm you know I'm an abstract latte artist. You know, what I'm saying I can't teach okay. this in the cafes. <laughs> Only in the streets, I feel you. <laughs> All right, so first question we like to ask our guests um, is, when did you fall in love with soccer? Um, man, my parents signed me up. You know, when I was four years old, both of my parents are Caribbean, um, and I just loved it you know right away honestly um i was always out there playing both my sister and i played so we would have different days you know of of, of going to, to training and um you know i'd just be out there kicking the ball around whenever i could get out there so it was it was, it was love at first sight you know as cliche as it sounds <laughs> yeah that's dope um you mentioned your uh your parents are caribbean so tell us a little bit about your background like what's your origin story yeah, so uh, my father's from Guyana, my mother's from Grenada, and, uh, you know, typical kind of uh, Caribbean immigrant story, both, you know, immigrated to New York, um, that's where they had my sister and I, and, um, you know, moved down to the South, uh, you know, down to Atlanta, grew up there, and, you know, still very close with, you know, all of my family, and, you know, I ended up going on to represent Guyana as uh, my national team. 
That's dope. Um, so how was it playing for, for Guyana and playing, you know, national team football? Man, it's cool, man. It, it was, I think one of the dopest parts about it was, you know, it was my first time going to Guyana was, you know, getting my call up for the national team. And it was my dad's first time going back. So I think, you know, just getting to, you know, a more complete picture of, you know, things that I've heard about, you know, and, you know, stories he's told and, you know, going and seeing the different places in Guyana and, you know, just seeing exactly where my, not just my dad, but my family, you know, has come from and, you know, see the contrast in what, you know, our lives look like. It was a really, you know, amazing experience, you know, away from football. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and on the pitch, you know, it's, 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 it's a different world, you know, and I, I know we hear about, you know, what CONCACAF looks like and it, it looks like all those stories, you know, um, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's a humbling experience, man. Like at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, it's a grass pitch, a bumpy one, albeit, you know, and a round ball. So it was, it was a really cool experience, bro. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned that you've, you've been playing soccer from young, um, uh, you went to Fordham for college and then, you know, UCF. Um, oh, tell us about your college experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Started, started at Furman oh, in South Carolina. Furman, yeah. my bad. Furman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love that, yeah. Um, yeah, man. Um, college college was was interesting, man. I obviously started off at Furman and we had a really good uh, recruiting class. Uh, you know, on paper should have been, you know, one of the best programs in the nation. And um it didn't, you know, pan out that way. Um, it was a lot of different frustration and, you know, a lot of deep self-reflection and uh, interesting story, man. One one weekend, a couple of my boys and I, we uh, took my sister's whip because she was at school there as well. And we made a road trip down to Florida, picked up a couple other homies on the way, um, went to Jacksonville, Tampa, and it just happened to be one of my boys' birthday, Kevon George. And he was in school at uh, UCF and we're like oh we're in Tampa we're like you know hour two hours away like let's let's slide over there and literally you know I got to campus and I was like yo this is how you're living this is what this this is what school needs to look like and you know from there I was like yo I need I, I, I need more of an experience I need to see you know beyond the pitch you know because if soccer's not going well what else do I have you know um, so I just wanted a bit more balance and, you know, the team, we ended up being, you know, a really good squad, um, you know, competed nationally. And obviously that kind of allowed me to keep going on the trajectory of, you know, my dreams was to be a pro, you know, a lot of MLS teams come down to Orlando to, uh, you know, do their preseason, which is our spring season. So I was able to go and train with different MLS teams when they came into town and, you know, uh, play against them as well. Um, and that, you know, definitely exposed me to that level and also put a few more eyeballs on me as well. Yeah, for sure. So just to back up a tad bit, um, I kind of jumped from, you know, from youth days straight into college, but did you play for like any, um, any like academies, any like, you know, elite club teams, stuff like that? Um, the, the academies was kind of, you know, on my way out. So I played for the same club, you know since I was four, you know, the whole way through. I went through a couple of name changes, but right now it is a North Atlanta uh, Soccer Association. And um, 
you know, we had our big rivals was Concord. I don't know how familiar you are with Atlanta youth soccer, but um, yeah, I, I played for the same club growing up. I did all the, you know, I played for my state team, ODP, um, the region team as well. Went to, you know, all the region camps and did all that. So kind of a, you know, a typical, you know, of bringing in the youth club system at that time. Okay, dope, dope, dope. Because you mentioned, um, you know, getting a chance to play with, play with or trade with other um, MLS teams while you're in college. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if, you know, you were connected to any of the um, academies during that. Yeah, no, nah, that was that was that was before before my time. You know, um, there weren't many, if any, MLS academies at the time. Yo, so look who decided to join us. We got a Moby here, decided to pop in. Um, $200 fine off rip for you. I'll, I'll send you Hand my up. cash app. Hand up. Spinning the wheel. Spinning the yeah. wheel. Yeah, yeah, so um, we were just talking about, you know, Warren's college days. You know, he went from, from Furman, got a taste of that UCF life, that massive, I don't know if the massive pool was there when you, um, when you, when you transferred, but, you know, it's, one of the biggest campuses in the, in the, in the country, right? Yeah, uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest um, amount of uh, students at the school. So yeah, it, it was a stark contrast going from around like 3,500 um, students at Furman to like 55,000, 60,000 at UCF. Um, it, was, it, was, it was day and night, man, in, in, a, in a good way for me. So what was the transfer process like? Because, you know, a lot of college athletes, um, especially with NIL and different things, transfer portal, um, how did that come about? Um, you know, I was telling oh, you know, I, I went down there on a random trip and, um, you know, was able to kind of see the school. You know, I, I know, you know, Kevon George, he was down there playing and, you know, was there for his birthday and, um, you know, got to see what the school was about and was like, yo, like, I might need to make this move, you know, and um, was able to, you know, get a little taste without, without, you know, breaking in, you know, NCAA rules <laughs> on even coming after me. But um, <laughs> um, the transfer process, you know, I, I asked my coach at Furman for my release, um, you know, to be able to transfer. And, you know, it's, it's up to them if they want to give you a release. If they don't want to give you a release, you can still transfer, but you have to sit out a year even if it's outside of the um, conference, which it was. And um, after, you know, some deliberating, you know, and talking with the team captains and all of that, uh, he granted me my release and um, I was able to kind of, uh, you know, go from there. And, you know, I started going on visits during the summer um, while I was playing PDO and went to what, Oregon State, Missouri State, um, talking to, different, you know, schools that, you know, weren't really throwing money, you know, two years ago, but now everybody's got a full ride, you know, (laughs) Um, it's an interesting process, but um, UCF was the first place that I visited, you know, officially. And um, I just really trusted Kevon's word, like, yo, like you're the missing piece. Like we can, we can do something special. And um, I was like, all right, bet, let's do this. And, you know, we were able to do something special. It was a great experience. Um, And, is you know a big reason of where I'm at today. Respect. Okay. All right. So you so you go from UCF. You mentioned you play in PDL. Um, mm-hmm. You know Carolina Carolina Dynamo, right? Yep. Yep. Um, yep. 
and then MLS Super Draft comes. Tell us about that process. What was it like? What was the you know pre-process like? Like, yeah, man. Um, so going into the draft, you know, before the draft, there was a combine. Um, you know, they invited X amount of um, seniors and maybe a few underclassmen that had signed either generation of leaders deals or you know senior deals already and um you know I almost didn't get to go because I was injured at the end of my college season and um kind of had to finesse my way into going because they told me I couldn't go and uh had to get cleared had to do physicals and you know pass the different tests and already I was like man like I, I just feel like I, I'm gonna have to force my way into you know this dream you know I packed up all my stuff at school um, you know, didn't register for any classes, just didn't do anything. I was like, you know, this, this is the way we're going. It's got to work and got down to the combine, um, played decently well, um, scored a goal, you know, just did my utilitarian, um, duties on the field and, um, ended up speaking with a few different teams, but none of the teams that I spoke with actually ended up drafting me. Um, and Houston, you know, which was a surprise to me because I hadn't spoken to them. They ended up taking me in the second round. Dope, dope. So um, tell us about like playing in Houston, living in Houston. I know Houston has a rich um, like immigrant culture um, and, you know, seemingly they, they don't tap into that as well as they could. Um, so tell us about your experience playing there. Uh, I lost you on that first bit. Can you repeat that, bro? Oh, I was saying, um, tell us about your experience playing in Houston. I know they have a rich immigrant culture, um, mm -hmm. you know, a, a large Nigerian population, um, mm -hmm. know, Asian population, but seemingly, like, seemingly they don't really tap into it as well as they could. Um, so tell us about, you know, just your time playing out there and, you know, living in the city, um, catching the vibe. Right. Yeah, man. I mean, and I think to be fair, it's probably a lot easier said than done. I don't know if, uh, you know, we've seen many, you know, clubs, take that, uh, you know, the population that's, you know, super prevalent and translate that into, you know, representation at the games, you know, you can go to the biggest Mexican, you know, supported cities and, you know, bring in the superstar and it's still not going to look the same as when Mexico's in town playing, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, at that time, Houston, you know, they were coming off of, uh, you know, a couple really successful seasons uh mls cup championships mls cup um appearances um so there was you know there was a lot of support around the team and they were just you know we were transitioning into having our own stadium and there was a lot of buzz um you know just in general around the city as being you know one of the most successful teams in the city you know obviously you know you have the rockets and um the texans um and at the time i i would say that you know, there was a lot of support from, you know, the Latino community just being, you know, a soccer team, just being such a big soccer city, you know, and soccer state in general, you know, Texas and the youth soccer there is crazy. And um, I think it's, uh, it, it might have shifted away from that, or maybe they didn't, or they, or they took that support for granted. And, you know, the team, you know, doesn't start putting results together and that kind of dies off, you know, the excitement of the winning and, you know, maybe people start feeling like, you know, well, maybe they don't need our support, you know, they weren't doing X, Y, and Z to keep us there. Um, so nobody knows the answer, but uh, yeah. that support, I think, was there um, from the Latino side. 
Um, the Nigerian side, um, I, I, I think that's a, a different discussion. You know, I don't, I don't know, um, you know, any any markets that have really been able to get a a, a real grasp on that. And Moby, maybe you could speak to that. Yeah, but, yeah, Moby um, got the got the marketing plan. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, yeah, I, considering uh, Houston is like second Nigeria, you know, they they could have done. Uh, some some more things, but like you said, Houston is very spread out, and it, it there's no other there's no blueprint, you know, in terms of other MLS clubs that have really do- dove into like, all right, we're gonna tap into this uh, this foreign community that's in our region, and this is what we're gonna do. So, uh, you know, I've talked my stuff on Twitter a little bit, but like you said, you've played there, you've been there, and it, it's tough. Uh, what I do, what I do like th- that you said is that when when you're winning, it's a little bit easier to market uh, to mm-hmm. to the community. So uh, when you first got there, you know you kind of had a young, young contingent. You, Will Bruin, Kofi, uh, mm-hmm. talk about that experience. You know, with youth development being so prevalent, you know, coming into Houston, a historically experienced squad. Um, yeah. How was that like breaking in? Man, it was uh, it was really tough, man. Um, you know. Obviously, I know you knew a lot of the young bucks on the team. Myself, Kofi, Dixon, um, Will, Brian Ombi. Uh, you know, we had a, a pretty, you know, strong young contingency. And um, I just remember being in preseason and, you know, coming in without a contract. And, you know, I was looking at it like, you know, this is this is low-key my season. Like, I got I to gotta really shine because, you know, a lot of the, you know, Older guys were away on national team duty. I think Kofi was away, um, you know, for the Olympics um, uh, or qualifiers, and just it was it was a lot of gaps in the team, and a, you know, a time for me to be able to get some minutes because mm-hmm. I was looking around like minutes might be coming, you know, you know, far a few times, you know. So it was it was it was really tough to break into such an experienced team, but I think you know it, it puts you in an environment where if you can break into that, you know, you, you know, are, are, are proving yourself um, amongst yeah. the league. And I felt, you know, really comfortable when I was finally able to get in games because our competition was so, you know, uh, stiff in, in training. Yeah. You know, we always played old versus young in training and they would always, you know, for the, for the first half of the year, you know, they would just kick shit out of us just, you know, they'd be whooping. <laughs> You know, and uh-huh. finally the tide started turning. I don't know if the old guys will admit it, but um, yeah, man, finally started to catch a wind and um, you know, really establish ourselves. And I was able to kind of break through a bit. Nice. Do you have like any advice? You know, obviously, uh, a lot of people look up to you around the league um, for these young players that are breaking in. Like, it's it's a little bit different than when we came up. But what advice would you have for them in terms of like? you know, grasping that spot and like holding on to it. Yeah, man. I mean, my number one thing is, you know, consistency and, you know, how you train. Um, I think that's probably been the thing that's, you know, enabled me to have a long career. Um, you know, I was never the star of its team, but, you know, my training habits, you know, that, that you know, was able to allow me to always be ready and allow me to, you know, be trustworthy when it came to games, you know, Coach always knew he could, you know, throw me in. So as far as, you know, on the field, um, that's, you know, the number one thing that I harp and, you know, not really taking days off, you know, mentally in training. 
No, I love that. But, but yeah, like you said, it's a it's a, it's a much different time, bro. It's a much different time when when I got to the league. You know, they were it, it was more about fitting in. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't and you you can't have you know this outgoing personality. You you know you just wanted to fit in. You know, be quiet. You know, and you know I came in the league. I had a flat top. You know, so that wasn't really what the 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 lane I was going for. You know, I was. <laughs> Yeah. I was I was there, you know, stand out a bit, but you know, um it it looks different now because I feel like, you know, in the age of TikTok and the age of, you know, social media, you know, that's that's champion now. That's pushed by the team more, you know. It's yeah. getting more obvious like, hey, look at what our young bucks are up to. They're doing these dances on on the team. We would have got killed for that, bro. You know? Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a different game now. No, that's that's yeah. facts. It seems like there's a big emphasis now on building individual brands. So um, mm-hmm. you're starting to see a lot of the younger players really focus on building their individual brands. It's something you probably haven't seen, or we probably haven't seen as much in MLS, you know, in years prior. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of building brands, you have your own brand as well um, with your namesake. Um, you know, you're, you're creative. Uh, have, have you always been kind of in that creative lane, like even coming up through school? Um, not really, to be honest. I mean, I think it, it, it all kind of started, you know, I just always had an appreciation of style. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I got out, you know, when I was old enough to drive, I, I'd always go and hang out at the, uh, you know, the local streetwear store downtown Atlanta, you know, the Wish and yeah. Standard when it was still around and, you know, just kind of window shop. And when I uh, got out to Houston, I would, you know, kind of do the same thing out here. Um, shout out to the classroom and uh, you know I just I was always in love in love with you know the expression of style and from that you know came you know visions of things that you know I wanted but didn't have and it's like it's not that you got to create it right and I basically said all right well I gotta I gotta learn how to create it I gotta learn how to execute what's in my head and it kind of started off as a partnership with myself and my cousin and you know he had the the technology illustrator, you know, and I would, you know, tell him, hey, it needs to look like X, Y, and Z. And I was like, nah, like I, I, I need I need to get on the ground and be able to, you know, really, you know, do it for myself and um, just learn everything. And, you know, that all became contextualized by photography, obviously being on the road and, you know, really just getting a, a more holistic view of what, um, you know, my life looks like and, you know, off the field and, you know, the different, narratives that you know are seemingly important to me at any given time so you learn how to graphic design and all that stuff like self self-starter yeah bro yep that's amazing that's amazing yeah, and uh one of my uh one of my truths um at the beginning of the show was uh i was in intern with lbf one summer in philly so mm-hmm. shout out to bone you know i kind of um you know, shadowed him one summer and, you know, was kind of an assistant creative director, but, you know, that was definitely a jump in, you know, as far as efficiency and, you know, different, you know, methods of designing, um, you know, just to be able to get in there, you know, day in and day out with another creative and designer and work on, you know, different stuff. Um, but yeah, all kind of self-taught, man. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And shout out to a boom one time. Uh, but speaking yeah. to that, uh, you guys did do a, uh, match fits for a little bit so i don't want to call you out i don't want to get you in trouble with the mls family but top five 
most stylish players in MLS? Who you got? Top five most stylish players? Man. Oh, man. Uh, I feel like I'm going to struggle to even get to five. But uh, <laughs> let's try. <laughs> um, you know, I think, you know, your boy Kellen, I feel like kind of, you know, has his foot on everybody's neck. Uh, you know, one that might be under the radar, and I don't know if I said this on Match Fits, um, but Harris Madunian is, I don't know if it's surprisingly, but um, he's got, you know, really good style as well. Um, Ashton Morgan, of course. Um, oh, yeah. He's in uh, Salt Lake, another one of the homies on the brand with me. Uh, um, who else do I see coming? I, I, it's, it's hard to say because I'm not really paying attention to people's fits on, you know, on yeah. game days. You know, it's really more in the locker room. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if I could round out this list for you, dog. Any 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 names that that I'm that I'm missing? Who are you thinking? Uh, I mean, yeah, you got Kellen, uh, Ashton Morgan. I mean, obviously he's part of the Kravolf team family, but yeah, he got he's he's up there for sure. Uh, I didn't know about Harris Madunian. I like that Sleeper. shout. Sleeper. Um, to be honest, uh, I would say young boy uh, Emma on FC Dallas. He's all oh, right. God, fancy. I haven't even seen when he's, when he's not focused on just rocking designer. He got some. <laughs> he got some fits. Got some um, okay. Besides that, yeah, it's really tough. Yeah, and I, I would know, say I would just, say you, but you you decided to retire just and, and retire from look, the trailer. Look, look, so. I, don't, I don't I don't use the R word, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you decided to uh, take a take a sabbatical. We'll say that. Yeah, we'll say that. Yeah, man. And I know uh, MLS. You know they they do their feature fits. You know maybe uh -huh. once a week or something. And um, I I I haven't been blown away. You know, no, no shade to anybody. You know, it looks. You know, everybody. You know. It's like playing dress up, but it's cool. It's cool. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Speaking cool. of fits, you got a um, that hoodie you rocking from your your lone your uh, lone wolf collection. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, man. So uh, this uh, this one was a long time coming, man. Uh, it started a few years ago. Um, you know, talking with uh, with Ash and, and and Steve. You know, just about what you know our kind of mindset is and you know it's it, it was kind of centered around that balance between you know being on your own and being in isolation and thriving in that paired with you know those those moments of necessity you know you need your community you need you know the ability to collaborate and you know how both are super paramount right and that all got magnified with this pandemic obviously um you know in in, in that need for community and um so that's you know why you know it was called the lone wolf pack um you know kind of serving both ends of that mm -hmm. and um you know we, it was a really cool uh opportunity to kind of have all my homies you know for my bachelor party we took a trip out west and did a little uh, rv tour of uh la joshua tree palm springs and uh san diego and tijuana and um you know basically Gave everybody a camera, said, all right, you're filming, you know, this, this, this is your lane for the, for the weekend. 
you know, get as much uh, content as you can. Um, I had a video cam, film images, did did some shoots out there, but that essentially became the rollout for this drop that, you know, happened a year and a half later. Um, That's dope. Man. Hey, yeah, that, that video, I, I asked you, I was like, yo, who who was on the beat for that? That, that was sick. The rollout <laughs> for that campaign was, was really nice. And obviously all the apparel that you guys launched is A1. So um, I appreciate that. Great bro. stuff on that. Yeah. You've even done some um you did a shirt for, you know, Black Players for Change. Um tell us how that that project came about. Um, you say for the Black Players for Change? Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, so in the early stages of, you know, deciding how we wanted to, you know, just get our message out to to the world, to, you know, the league, you know, people that that were able to, you know impact on our platform um you know i the the obvious you know one of the big points was do it through apparel right are we going to have some kind of demonstration and you know what do we want our you know messaging to say and one of the you know big big points was to have a black creator do it and you know to kind of keep it all in the house and you know the group tapped me to you know be able to designed that for the group and you know that's kind of where all that started and there was you know to bring a group of you know uh, over a hundred black players together and get all aligned on you know one two or three messages you know was a task in itself but obviously we all had the same goal and you know it was about finding the right way to say it finding the right way to present it and um you know i think it all came out you know really unified and it, it was a beautiful thing yeah, for sure. It was definitely a very powerful, powerful um, demonstration. And the T-shirt definitely helped to amplify that and, and keep the story going, you know, beyond that. You know, once it, once right. it went on sale and, you know, people can support in that way as well. Um, yeah. You also have a home goods line with your wife, too. So keeping entrepreneurship in the family. Um, how important has entrepreneurship been for you as a parallel to your playing career? Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been amazing, man. I think it's, it's really served as, if nothing else, an outlet for, you know, any creative endeavor that I want to, you know, execute on it. You know, growing up, you always have school and soccer, school and soccer, you know, I, I, I didn't really, you know, want my mind to turn to mush or, or really get too dialed in on soccer when I've never been 100% in, you know, uh, you know, focused on just that cause you can kind of lose yourself in the game and you start overthinking things and it's, 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 it's not, it, it kind of loses its essence a bit. So if nothing else, it was a way for me to balance that as well. And um, just have fun as well. You know, the schedule, um, you know, allows for you to have a good amount of downtime and, you know, Moby, I know you're big on, you know, preaching, you know, get started now. And I think a lot of the the work that I've done, you know, in my playing career, it has benefited, you know, the transition that I'm in, you know, post post playing. Um, but yeah, it also, you know, serves as a portfolio. This is my work of, you know, uh, you know, work that I've done with this budget in this time frame, you know, mm-hmm. on, under these circumstances, you know, you know, take a chance on me to do X, Y, and Z. So yeah, I think it it uh it touches on a few things for me. No, yeah, I love that. Um, obviously, it's a testament to, you know, 
obviously the big mantra right now is more than an athlete. Can you talk about some of the, uh, the, the synergies around, you know, sports being an athlete and entrepreneurship? Cause a lot of times there, you know, people say, oh, if you're not all in it, then you won't be able to perform at a high level. And obviously you have done that uh, tenfold. Um, but can you talk about some of the synergies from, you know, being an athlete to some of the things that you're doing on the entrepreneurship side? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I think a lot of my, uh, you know, principles and, you know, how I operate come from being in the locker room, you know, how I interact and collaborate with, you know, teammates and, you know, it's, it's a direct representation or reflection of, you know, how I operate when I'm working with, you know, friends, you know, the creators, businesses, you know, I, I use a lot of the same um, principles. Um, and I think earlier on, you know, especially when, you know, I first got in the league, when you first got in the league, it might've been more frowned upon, um, you know, but it's a different day and age and, you, and you're seeing a lot of athletes take ownership of their brand and, you know, push it to new levels. And, you know, it's, you, you, you see the LeBrons, you, you know, you see the Stephs, like it's, it's not just for one type of player anymore. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's accessible to everybody. It's, it's a smart move. You know, the shelf life of an athlete is only so far. So I think it'd be wild for people to, you know, want athletes to just stay in this lane while they're playing, you know, and, and you're done. What do you, what are you left with? You know? So um, there, there's absolutely, you know, synergies and, and a lot of reason to be more than just an athlete. No, I, I think that's an important lesson. And obviously, um, well, the fact that you've um, kind of touched on different passions of yours across the board when it comes to entrepreneurship and not just, you know, photography or apparel, but the home good stuff. You know, I got I got some of those candles and uh, I, I'm saving one, but I already, I already used one of them. I'm saving one. <laughs> I appreciate it, bro. Yeah, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, in addition, that was really cool to, you know, collaborate with my wife, you know, I, I think that, even that looks different, you know, as, as far as you're used to working with teammates, you're used to working with, you know, your boys in your brand. And, you know, that was kind of a cool um, season where we were able to kind of come together and bring our respective brands together, you know, to collaborate and um, to, to come out of that without, you know, any any drag out fights or anything, you know, I, I think was was amazing to do and, you know, something that, you know, it's, it's good to have, you know, to keep it in the fam. Almost deaf. Yeah, I was checking those. I may have to copy me. Some they still available. Uh, we're, we're gonna bring some back. We're gonna bring some back this uh, okay. this okay. holiday season. That that's that's the goal. At least you know, I got I got to get this fulfillment game, man. It's you know, last year it took over the whole apartment, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for sure, for sure. Warehouse um, so earlier, in... what? what's that? I said warehouse soon come, soon come, or what? Sure, we'll see, dog. We'll see. And also, are there any other like additional products you guys plan on rolling out? You know, besides candles. Uh, we'll see, bro. Uh, we'll see. You know, obviously, we're both new parents, and that's something that we weren't necessarily entrenched in uh, with the last drop. So it's all what Naomi will allow these days. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. She's the boss now. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So earlier in the conversation, we were talking about you know being able to tap into local communities. Um, so tell us about your work that you're doing with For Soccer Ventures and, you know, the birth of the Black Star Initiative. 
how did that come about? Yeah, man. Um, I think uh, how it came about was I was uh, talking with uh, Heath Pierce um, one day and just kind of getting his insight on, you know, his transition from being a player and stepping into kind of the, the creative industry. You know, I think he set a really cool blueprint on, you know, how it can look. And, you know, I really respected that. So he was one of the the first conversations that I had, um, you know, at the top of the year, maybe even last year, actually, um, just getting ready for, you know, what, what could be happening next and, you know, just getting my feet wet. And, um, and then the conversation, he was like, Hey man, we actually, you know, have a couple of things going on our way. You know, if you want to take a look at that and, you know, we can find some points of intersection. And one of those was, uh, the black star initiative. Um, and they were in need of, you know, visual identity, logo work, and, um, you know, just toolkit and all those different things, right? And I was able to get together with uh, Demetrius Umfroy and, you know, kind of lock in on the creative direction and, you know, come kind of pair, you know, the, the mission of Black Star, which was, you know, allow access and, you know, just empowering Black, you know, Black Americans to the game in, in ways that have been lacking, you know, historically and just break down barriers that have that have plagued our community, um, you know, historically. So taking that and creating for a cause that is near and dear to home um, was an opportunity that I absolutely jumped at. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was a really cool kind of, I think it was the first project that I worked on outside of uh, being a player. Um, and, you know, it was, it was just kind of a, a cool transition and a cool starting point for our relationship, which then, you know, grew into me being an ambassador for the initiative, um, which, you know, is also leading to more creative work with them. So it's, 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 it's been a really, um, kind of cool snowball with, uh, FSV and, um, you know, just the work that the group is doing, you know, is, is really important to me and, you know, is near and dear to my heart. Um, as I said, you know, I, I uh, was fortunate enough to be able to play at, um, you know, all the different youth levels, but I was, you know, this close to not being able to play, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, my grandmother um, stepping in at one point saying like, no, the kids need to keep playing soccer, um, you know, who knows where my path would have gone. Um, so it's, it's, it's something that is, you know, a lot of people can go a lot of different ways at, at, at those young ages. And it's, it's something that's important to me. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, can you like, can you like even touch on that a little bit more, like your own personal experiences growing up, uh, probably be one of the few black kids playing soccer. Um, the stuff that you did with, you know, uh, after school FC, uh, is, am I getting the name right? Design uh, FC. Yeah. Design FC. Design um, FC after school. And then, and then, and then now I feel like all your experiences have, have led to this moment. And can you just like talk about like the impact that you guys plan to have or hope to have, um, with, you know, Black Star Initiative? Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Uh, so obviously playing the, playing this game in this sport, you know, traditionally the, the higher you go, the deeper you get into it, the more expensive it gets. And I've seen, you know, excelling at a young age, there, there came a point where, 
um, you know, there was a decision that had to be made, you know, mm-hmm. part of my parents, you know, um, like I just touched on, you know, that that could have gone one or two ways. And, you know, thankfully, my grandmother, who, you know, also immigrated here from Grenada, was in a position to, you know, help us. And, you know, she she didn't go to school. She, you know, was working as a housekeeper, and, you know, for, you know, a family who's who's actually become, you know, family to me now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's just a very random, you know, it's it's not a it's not a, a set out path, you know, it just kind of happened. So without mm-hmm. moments like that, you know, you could you could have gone anyway. That's so true. that's 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 why, you know, I, I look at, you know, programs like this where, you know, and uh, Sekou Thornell, you know, runs Kit Boys, you know, I was chatting with him. He's part of the initiative as well. And he's telling me about how his club folded because they weren't able to get funding and um, you know, how he was able to, you know, push on and play somewhere else and, you know, ended up being able to go to college and still get a scholarship. And, you know, but again, for a lot of other kids that weren't able to do that, you know, it it was a different story. Um, And that's led to to work, you know, with, uh, you know, design FC, why, you know, I was able to, you know, kind of, champion that and um you know work with those kids as well and you know talk about outlets that weren't exactly sport right you know every everybody has who's going pro but giving access to to different lenses and you know there's there's other ways you can be involved in you know in and around the game um that isn't necessarily playing and that you know doesn't stop at soccer obviously um and uh, yeah, just kind of creating as many avenues for these kids, I think, is is the name of the game. And I yeah. think within the past within the past year um, or two, um, you've seen a lot of different um, you know initiatives and, and companies pop up, um, you know, in this space. But I think the one thing that's gonna you know set you know any of these companies part is is follow through, right? And that's yeah. you know one thing. That want to harp on with with Blackstone you know you don't want to just you know be like the Super Bowl and you know come into town and you know it's over you know you didn't you know you, you leave a mess and you know you have your, your fun and you know you, you move on I think it's about you know building sustainable systems and you know being able to kind of be be reliable and be accountable and you know not just in it for the for the you know this is the wave right yeah um yeah, man, it's 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 been kind of a snowball. No, it's amazing. And I love what you said. It's like it's, it's more than just optics because this is what's you know the end thing right now is actually getting in, you know, planting the seeds and you know watching them grow. Um, exactly. And from, and from that perspective, I know a lot of people have you know the solutions and the answers and whatever it may have you. Uh, but when you think about you know growing the game and giving access, is it more about do you think it's more about exposure or do you think like, you know, the urban community like actually doesn't like soccer? Like, or is it more about, um, we just don't know, like we we're not exposed to soccer like we are um, basketball or football. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, I think it's, it's, it's both, bro. It's both. It's, it's, it's all of the above. Um, mm-hmm. I think you, you gotta really just chip away at, at all those aspects. Um, one, you know, the, the exposure, um, you know, in the Black American community, you know, soccer is not as endemic as it is in, um, you know, in the Caribbean and African communities, right? Um, 
so it, there's a bit of a, a of a of a bridge you know it's not necessarily on in your house it's not championed by your parents necessarily but um you know you, you talk to a lot of you know your friends that might have you know grew up playing you know basketball football whatever you, you talk to them and be like oh yeah i used to play soccer so there, i think there are a lot of touch points um early on with the game and it's about retention and it's about perception right you know mm-hmm. growing up you, you're seeing the kobe's you're seeing the the mj's you know you're seeing um the ai's you know just they're they're cool they're larger than life and and that's the perception that you you know that you see and that's who you want to be and you know you're not seeing those same stars come off the pitch right you're not you're not you're not seeing um people in that same light so it's definitely i think that's one part of exposure and you know it being cool right um so there's 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 a lot of different angles and a lot of different aspects that factor into why I think it's it's not as prevalent as it could be. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, who do you think has the potential to be that that Kobe or that AI um, for American soccer? Like somebody these kids can can kind of see as a as a potential like idol or somebody to kind of look up to um, in the game. Um, right now, I mean, I think uh, you know guys like Weston and. and um, Alfonso Davies, you know, I think those guys, you know, playing at, you know, obviously top leagues in, in Europe and, you know, have have these, you know, big personalities as well. I think um, that that's kind of what it takes. Right. Um, yeah. Obviously, even I, I would say even this this last uh, uh, little stint in camp where, you know, with West getting sent home, I think even even stuff like that plays into, you know, that, that uh that image, you know, I, I know a lot of people, you know, didn't like it, but uh, you know, I I I think that that's also publicity, right? That's that's exactly. in the game, and it's like something that's uh, you know, the old guards like, ah, it's unacceptable, and it's like, well, you know, it happens, you know, and and we and we move, you know, <laughs> yeah, we move exactly. He, he came back with the blonde streak. You knew, you knew. He <laughs> <laughs> he's leaning into it fully. Yeah, bro. Uh, that's a great point. I mean, even just yesterday, Alfonso Davies and the Canadian national team, like me, linking up with Drake, like that you stuff know? matters. Exactly. Exactly. So, Got a Davies jersey on a Drake story, you know, that's, yeah. that's big. That's big. Yeah. So. All right, let's, uh, let's jump into a couple of rapid fire questions. Um, so going back to the creative side, like what will be your dream Kraval, um collaboration, like either with a person or a brand? Ooh, um, I think linking with uh, Pharrell, man. I think Pharrell has has been like the just the tried and true like goat of of this creative space, man. Whatever whatever he's you know attempted to do, he's you know he's killed it. And I think um, I he's one of the people that I look at, and I'm just like, how are there enough hours in the day for you to do you know exactly <laughs> what you're doing, you know? Um, and you know, not be burned out and have have barriers in place. He talks about, you know, uh, you know, how at a at a certain time, like, all right, this is family time, like, you know, and that's something obviously having a family that, you know, that I respect and, you know, want to be able to navigate that balance as well. So uh, for for sure, you know, it, it'd be it'd be about more than collaboration. I'm picking his brain. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, you you doing the money or the dinner? It feels for real. 
what what's the money again? <laughs> like five hundred k. Yeah, five hundred k or dinner with Pharrell. Five hundred k. You know, get five hundred k at one time. You know, what I'm saying I might, I might figure it out on my son. You know, what I'm no, for real, for make real. it work on my own. Oh. Yeah, like I've been watching you from afar. I'm a follow. I'm a duplicate uh, your booze. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, take yeah, the money yeah. though. I'm gonna follow some podcasts or something. You know, you know, I'm gonna watch other tone. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So, um, so when you were playing, like, what's what was on your pre-match playlist? was on my pre-match playlist um you know a bunch of hip-hop um turn up songs uh fat up tempo got some you know asap uh schoolboy hands on the wheel was one of my uh go-to's a lot of a lot of atlanta like 08 or oh probably 06 to to 2010 turn up music you know like uh a lot of john uh, Lil John, some Soldier Boy, Travis Porter, um, okay. you know Roscoe Dash. Roscoe Dash, uh, what's up? Young yeah. LA, you know. I I just you know it, it puts yeah. you in the, in the turn up, but it's a it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a good yeah. vibe, you know. You feel a little young loose, drove. Confident, you know what I'm saying? Um, things like. All right, if you can only listen to one song before a match for the rest of your career, what would it be? One song. Uh, that sounds like I, I wouldn't want to do that. Sound you know, you would hate the song <laughs> after a few matches, but uh, I think Hands on the Wheels probably got the most spin for me, you know, at least it's got you know, okay, uh, or maybe something with just a, you know, a thousand different artists on it, so some variety, one train, maybe I don't know, okay. Yeah. Dope, dope. What about you, Mo? If you can only listen to one song ah, for the rest of your career. That's tough. I, that's, I thought this was for Warren. We the host. Uh, <laughs> I'm still playing, bro. Go, uh, shoot. College dropout. Or I have to listen. I have to pick like one, one song. So pick one, one song. One track. One track. Uh, split album. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Closest to my dreams, Drake. Okay. Uh, tap you yeah. tapped in introspectively for the game. Yeah, yeah, I just did the introspective. Right, right, right. Okay. All right. My feelings, real quick. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into one of our favorite segments of the show: um, no car, yellow car, red car. So this is a rapid fire segment where I read off a news headline, um, and you know our guest warren as well as the moby will give their opinions on this headline using the soccer card system so uh no card is you know i'm cool with it um i agree yellow card is i can go either way and red card is um you know i disagree or i'm not cool with it you know straight foul straight red um so we like moby is adding one here yeah um so we have two this week um first up Washington football team is retiring Sean Taylor's number during this week's game, 14 years after his death, but also amid an NFL investigation of the team. So what card are we giving Washington football team for this, for this move? Warren, you can go first. Let me take it. It's it's on the the line, but it's a yellow for me. Um, I think, you know, 
I don't know if it's to, you know, kind of distract from the investigation. I don't know. Just the timing of it, I think, is 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 poor. Uh, you know, if if it is, you know, a genuine thing, you know, I think you just find a different time to do it. Obviously, you know, he, he has a legacy, and um, you know, you want to honor that, but you know, it's it uh, right now <laughs> around all this yeah. this wild publicity. I just I just don't think you know you want to tie that into um, his legacy. Yeah, uh, yellow card, and the only reason I'm saying red card is because I can't. We can't prove for sure. Like they were in the room. Like, all right, how do we avoid this? Oh, right, Sean right, Taylor, right. Sean Taylor, right. let's let's do him, put him in the ring of honor. Like, you know, that, yeah, uh, the timing is is like like Warren said. Like, come on, timing could be better. Um, obviously, Sean Taylor, um, not only just as a person, but historically and pop culture wise, um, you know, changed the game. Uh, for Washington Football Club or team or whatever they call themselves, and um, <laughs> you got to got to you know pay tribute to him. But yeah, the timing is just uh, is it, is fishy. I mean, super suspect. Super suspect. Yeah. Do better, Washington FC. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one. Um, so FIFA suggested hosting a World Cup every two years instead of every four years. Um, their president stated, um, if a Super Bowl can happen every year, why can't a World Cup happen every two years? So what card are we giving FIFA's suggestion of um, shortening this window, this World Cup window? Uh, I'm going to go with another yellow. I, I, I get, you know, um, even though I'm sure it's money driven, I get, you know, giving more opportunities for, you know, the the peak of the sport to happen. But, you know, I think traditionally that's that's what makes it so special. It only happens every four years, you know, that you you, you mess up on this cycle, like you you gonna have to wait. You gonna have to go to that. You know? <laughs> and I think that's what what makes it so important and makes it so coveted that it it doesn't come around all the time. Actually, man, we we going red, man. I gotta yeah, keep, keep it for man. Get out of here. Get out of here. Thank you, thank you. I was with. I'm like, yo, these guys play enough games <laughs> between Euros and now they're adding Nations Leagues, Cups, and Champions League, Super yeah, League. Yeah, man. You know, keep keep the World Cup sacred every four years, similar to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it allows for new blood to come in in terms of um, new generational talent. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't dilute. The, the World Cup and the qualification process and all the all the stuff that happens and goes on um, yeah keep it keep it as is obviously as we all know money money makes the world go around but you know for stuff like this I feel like you have to keep it every four years yeah man what car was that money oh sorry red car yeah red car I had to go to VAR to get there but yeah for sure yeah. red car <laughs> <laughs> nice all right. Well, that's it for this week's no car, your car, red card. Moby. Yeah, I, I do want to give a red card because, you know, a lot of guys are acting super weird lately in terms of how they're treating women. Uh, another case came out. Uh, Lucas Hernandez. I think he's going to jail. Um, he can't follow a restraining order. Um, so, guys, come on. We got to do better. Um, soccer players as role models. I didn't, want to, didn't really want to leave it up to discussion. Um, but yeah, just wanted to point that out that, 
stop being weird. Uh, simple, sure. simple, simple as that. Yeah, um, protect women, respect women. Exactly. So, uh, Warren, my sincere apologies, man. I gotta, you know, I gotta come with breakfast for the team next practice. Uh, I gotta spin the uh, wheel. Uh, uh, fine. Uh, it rarely ever happens, but I check my phone. I'm like, wait, what? Oh. All right, so, my sincere <laughs> apologies, but for anyone that wants to connect with Warren, how can they connect with you? How can they tap into what you're doing? Um. Yeah, follow along uh, on Instagram at Malik underscore LeBeau. Um, I'm still kind of in hiding. Um, and underscore Craval for the brand. And yeah, that'll kind of keep you up to date on, on what we got going on. No, respect. So yeah, we're going to have all that information in the show notes, all the stuff that Warren is doing, all the wonderful things that he's doing. Um, I know Elle has some announcements to make on, you know, how we um, are helping support the Black Star Initiative um, and things like that. But that's our show for this week. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out our merch at Two Cents Sports Shop. As you can see, L is rocking everything: the hat, the shirt, uh, and I know we got some more stuff coming on the way very yeah, soon. The stuff dropping for the fourth quarter. Cozy season is upon us. Cozy so season is upon out. us. Some yeah. good stuff. Protect your hoodies at all costs. <laughs> yes. If you enjoy the show, consider dropping us a donation using the link in the description. It helps support the show. Um, it helps support us continue to get you know awesome guests like Warren uh, on the show. And tweet us your comments on the show. Any topics you want me or L to discuss. As you guys know, we keep it unfiltered. Anything you guys would like us to discuss, we don't care. We talk about it. You know, it's, it's no uh, no Switzerland over here. So yeah. and real quick before we sign off. Um, Definitely tap in with uh, the Black Star Initiative at blackstarsoccer.org.com. Which, which one is it? Dot com. Blackstarsoccer.com. Follow on the socials as well. I think it's blackstarus underscore. Um, if you're in the Detroit area last week, um, 29th through the 31st, and you're you know an elite player looking to get discovered, definitely pull up um register at blackstarsoccer.com um to get on the list um we'll be uh showcasing and uh piloting um the program out there during that weekend um two cents two cents sports and two cents fc is proud to be you know a media partner with um black star initiative so um definitely make sure y'all tap in and you know check it out yeah so yeah real quick real quick real quick warren one last question what, what got, city because we usually ask like people like all right you know best hotbeds for a talent what city in terms of you know the us our community are you most excited about in terms of like you know putting resources in in terms of talent you know you grew up in atlanta you're living in houston now obviously the first iteration is going to be in detroit uh what city are you like you know if we tap into this community whew, mm-hmm. there's going to be some talent to come out of here? Uh, that's a good question, bro. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to, to see, you know, Detroit, you know, just being, you know, such a black city, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the big reasons why I started out there just to, you know, be able to um, tap into that community and, and see, you know, they have a professional team, obviously. Um, but I feel like there's a few answers to this, right? Being, you know, from Atlanta, you know, 
seeing, you know, the way um, Atlanta United has embraced hip hop culture. I think those were kind of seeds for a, a whole younger generation and being able to kind of uh, supplement that with, you know, some real, real supplemental mm-hmm. programming, um, I think could be huge. Um, and this may not answer, but a place where I've, you know, seen a lot of young um, black ballers is, uh, you know, uh, in the city that I played in uh, Toronto, um, obviously outside of the U.S., but um, yeah, the, the the amount of talent, you know, that kind of, you know, falls between the cracks um, that I've seen, you know, just playing pickup out there, I've just kind of been blown away. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those are the, the probably three places that I've seen, yeah. No, nah, respect. Well, we're excited to see all the wonderful things that you're doing with Black Star Initiative. And uh, we can't help, we can't wait to help support and, you know, push this along. So um, once again, if you guys tap in, you know what to do. Yep, everything will be in the show notes as well. Yes, so, Tonight, hey, fellas, appreciate y'all having me, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a blast.